Well, good morning, Renovation. And again, as always, we are just so thankful that we get to be able to come into your living room. And as Josiah said earlier in the set, that just feel today like we're sitting in, sitting in the living room with you. But what happened was I realized when Josiah said that earlier, probably some of you said, man, if I'd known people were coming into my living room today, <laughs> I would have straightened up more. I would have put some clothes on. I would have... Anyway, you're all right. You're all right, okay? So just so thankful that we have this opportunity this morning. As we continue our series in The Greatest, The Greatest Commandment, just a reminder, because some, I'm sure, been on vacation and um, haven't caught up yet on our, on our series, or for whatever reason you haven't, or maybe you're tuning in for the first time here locally or around the country or around the world. We're just so thankful you're here. But just a reminder, just kind of set up today, and today is going to be love your neighbor, and I'll read the scripture here in just a minute for that. Just so you know, I watched a deal this week talking about... Uh, uh, when you give a speech, when there's nobody in the room, basically you need to talk faster. So I'm going to talk as fast as I can today and see how many words I can get in to get this done. About No. I do know it's a little different the way we're doing this. So I am going to try to do that, speed up a little bit, but I have a lot to say, so we'll see how we get there. But reminded that two subtle major things that damage love. When we talk about love the Lord your God, and I'll read the scripture like I said here in a minute, the word love there. Two major things that we've talked about, and again, there's more, but two major things that damage love. One is, is trust or distrust. Can I trust your motives? If I'm not sure of your goodness and I'm not sure of your motives, there's a disconnect and it breaks down love. Indifference is another one. We talked about two weeks ago about being all. Lord, to love, Lord, love the Lord your God with all. That's meaning whole, a holy, not just H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y, where every bit about you is involved. Every bit about you is given to God. It's the opposite of indifference. To love your God wholly means you care, means you're invested, means you're engaged, means that you're looking at every part of your life and how do I bring it under his covering? Last week, we talked about to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I changed the words up a little bit. To love the Lord our God with our, all my unique personhood, with all my reasoning, and with all that I am capable of. Mark chapter 12, 38, 28 through 34, says one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked, of all the commandments which is the most important. The most important one, answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And we could preach a sermon on that, obviously. But here's where we've landed. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And in another place, the, the, the recording, I think, maybe in Luke, but don't hold me to that. He said, all, everything else hangs on these two things. Everything that I've spoken hangs on these two. So everything that Jesus has done, everything the Father has moved, put in motion, hangs on these two. At the time of those hearing these words, those in Attendance, obviously, there was those who were empowered that listened to Jesus all the time, sent out spies, if nothing else, but to listen to him. And when they heard the first part of what Jesus said, to love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, they would have probably said, yeah, I agree with that. But then Jesus messes them up. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not who is your neighbor, which we could talk about. No, Jesus says, this is what you're going to do. You're not even going to, we'll talk about who is our neighbor here in a minute. But, but these guys now are going, whoa, 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 wait a second. Because we have been in power for our benefit. Those in authority there, those in rule, they were in all this. Even, unfortunately, even the laws were for their benefit. But here comes Jesus. Can anybody testify in your house or wherever you are today, out under that shade tree, hopefully, like Josiah said, somewhere besides Arizona, to say, when Jesus came into my life, he messed me up. <laughs> he messed me up. Because he began to speak things into my life. I'm going, no, no, no. No doubt loving your neighbor has taken on a whole new thought over the last four and a half months. And we're going to talk about that today, a little later. But the last few weeks, I want to remind us, and it's a slide that we have here that's my definition. We cannot love others unless we love God utterly, abundantly, with heart, soul, mind, and strength, in deep conviction and without any reservation or misunderstanding that you're all in. That's a lot of words. But in deep conviction, without any reservation, you're in. Without any misunderstanding. It's like getting married to bride and a groom. You're in. You're, you're not just saying yes to this, but you're saying no to every other woman in the world. Or every other man in the world. It's not, you're not just saying yes to that one person. You're saying no, I'm in. There is no misunderstanding. I'm all in. But I want to make sure we don't miss this part this morning. Because we could just jump to our neighbor. But the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. How I love myself is an overflow of loving others. How's one of the primary ways that we, because if you want to go, how do I love my neighbor? Well, I guess the first question is, how do I love myself? If I'm hungry, what do I do? Some of you eat if you're not hungry. Amen? Can I get a witness? (laughs) But if you're cold, you try to figure out a way to get warm. If you're warm, you try to figure out a way to cool. If you're thirsty, you try to figure out a way to get something to drink. So it's not very complicated when we begin to ask ourselves, if I want to love my neighbor, how do I love myself? Because there's things naturally we do that should also become natural in the spirit for others. Here's partly why we do this. You cannot love your neighbors yourself and still be stingy because you're probably not stingy with yourself. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself and lie because you probably wouldn't lie about yourself intentionally to harm you. You cannot love your neighbors yourself and gossip because you probably wouldn't put gossip out there intentionally to harm you. 
You cannot love your neighbors yourself and be intentionally divisive. You cannot love your neighbors yourself and not be generous because you know you're generous to yourself, back to stingy, just the opposite of that. You're generous. But here's the deal about Christians who are all in. We don't do these things because the Bible tells us we either need to or not need to, whichever way it lands. We do these things because we love others and do not want to hurt them but help them. Not because the Bible says don't or do or whatever. We do it because of who we've become. I love what Dallas Willard says. I love others when I promote their good. Ask yourself, as a believer in Jesus Christ, is my intention every day to promote the good of others? Because that to me comes back as the question, do I love them? Or do I promote my good more? But here's the deal. And we talked about it last week, and we've talked about it the last few weeks, but especially about being all in in my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I can only do, and that is promoting the good of others, when I am living into my fullest calling, whole and healthy in the spirit through Jesus Christ. Because I will still filter things through self first. And here's, let me say to some of you today, if we do not love ourselves, and what I mean by that is, if we live in guilt and shame, you'll have a hard time loving your neighbor. If you have a hard time loving yourself and believing you're even lovable, then you're going to have a hard time loving others. You're special, unique. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants to redeem even the messed up stuff. But let me tell you today, yeah, he, gives, he allows guilt to happen in this sense to bring us to a point of conviction, but that conviction is a road to, to, not, to, not to bondage, but that is a road to freedom. It's not a road to condemnation. It's a way out. Here's the problem. Of course, I always like to find problems, right? The love we're talking about is the condition of the heart and soul that's embedded in the depths of who we are in the unique personhood we talked about last week. And that love we're talking about comes from being restored back into the image of God. This kind of love is not something we choose to do, but what we choose to be. This kind of love we're going to talk about today is not something we choose to do. It is something we choose to be. So, how do I love my neighbor? Well, you love your neighbor by treating that person, regardless of who they are, the way you'd want to be treated. The true and correct understanding of a neighbor crosses boundaries of family, of class, of race, of geographical locations. And there is all kinds of ways to do this. There are simple ways, and we'll talk about them here in just a minute. And I could, we could be here all day talking about ways we could love our neighbor, I mean specific ways. But I hope there may be some umbrella today that I can, that I can share with you. But what I have watched over the years 
The people that I believe that do this well, obviously, number one, they're grounded in Christ. The most consistent and reliable people I have watched in their walk with Christ in doing these kind of things, they're actively engaged. They're not passive sitting on the sidelines, one. They have got a foundation. I mean, they have got a bedrock foundation of values. So they can walk into any situation just like Jesus did, and they're not worried about their values getting like every wind and doctrine or every wave that comes along because they're grounded. And you know what kind of freedom that gives them, the security that gives them? It allows them to engage and have empathy and even be vulnerable and allow them to have empathy, which may, may lead for them to compassion, which may lead to generosity of doing something about it. It's the opposite of indifference. Compassion, I read this, and I was trying to work this through in my mind, and I love, I, I, I don't know where I got this, so forgive me, Lord, I don't have a note to this, but compassion is not the same as empathy. But what I was gonna say, while empathy refers to our ability to take the perspective and feel of the emotions of another person. In other words, I can kind of move my way into right now, I, I, can, I can feel to some degree the loss of a son, even though I don't know it personally, but I can move into that because I'm with them and I'm connected to somebody, let's say. Or I can see something on t TV and allow my emotions and open myself up and maybe go educate myself and engage something. I have empathy. But compassion is when those feelings and thoughts include the desire to do something about it. Now, you've heard me say about Brother Paul's definition of compassion. I think it's about as, about as uh, clear as if, if I, he's, he says, if my feet are cold, he said, if their feet are cold, my feet are cold, and my feet are cold, I want to do something about it. They're pretty simple. If I'm with somebody and their feet are cold, that means my feet are cold. I feel it. And when I have my feet cold, I don't like it. See, once we realize that the world around us is filled with people who are each wrestling with what we're wrestling with, there's so much we have in common when people are trying to divide us, there's so much we have in common. So many of us are wrestling with the same thing, but let me say something to some of you. You may be wrestling with something, but I, I can almost guarantee you there are people that you know or people around you that are wrestling with way more than you are. But when we begin to realize people are hurting around us, when I say love our neighbor, obviously, again, you can roll the trash can in next door. There's a lot of things we can do, but I'm talking about here people that are hurting around you. When we realize they are wrestling with what we're wrestling with, and maybe even more, it opens us up to empathy. Even if, we, even if they're a different lifestyle, even if they're a different uh, a, a political party, even if they're a different, why? Just ask yourself the question, why? And maybe move in to empathy. But here's the problem for most of us, back to what we said earlier about health. It requires a resource, a, a resources of personal spiritual strength, and it requires wisdom in action. 
Loving your neighbor as yourself is a matter of who you are, not primarily what you decide to do. There's a big difference between an act of compassion and living a life of compassion. I think maybe every human being can have an act of compassion, but it's only through Christ and the Holy Spirit living in us fully that we can live a life of compassion. I mean, for me, at 13 years old, many of you know the story, and I won't spend a lot of time on it today, but at 13 years old, I was bullied. And my parents, none of them knew that how, if I, back then, if suicide would have been an option, I, I might have taken it, I don't know, but nobody ever talked about it, so it never crossed my mind that I can remember. But I was bullied so bad, and won't get into all that and how that happened. But what I can say is, I empathize with someone who's been bullied. I know what that feels like. I can empathize in a whole different way. I can empathize with someone being bullied. If you've never been bullied, you can still empathize, but sometimes you have a personal experience that makes it maybe takes it to a little, little bit deeper level. But what it did for me, it drove me to compassion. At times in my life to do something about it. As a youth pastor, if you were in my youth group, One of the sayings we had was, there are no practical jokes, no practical jokes at the cost of someone. And what I meant by that was, you may have a friend that both of you are kind of, both secure in who you are, and you may do something funny, and everybody kind of laughs, and everybody kind of moves on. Those can happen. We all know that. And it's funny. But when it costs somebody something, you better not let me find out about it. Our first mission trip to Mexico in 1992, and I've said this before, I've been a youth pastor less than two months. I went on my first mission trip to Mexico. I'd never been to Mexico. I'd never been on a mission trip, and nobody with me had ever been to Mexico or on a mission trip, but we took 30 kids. Our theme song was, everybody remember, The Great Adventure, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Let's go. Saddle up your horses. We got a trail to blaze. I took those kids there. We were staying in a dormitory kind of camp in McAllen, Texas. And I looked up and I saw this young man, kind of, he was really small at the time, probably a seventh grader, come running out of that dorm crying. And I think he was cussing, I'm not sure. But he was saying, I hate this place. I want to go home. And I, this young man had lost his father about six months before that to cancer. So I go in the house, he keeps running. I go in the house to find out what happened. I find out that our football player, our basketball player, and one of the other guys had given him a swirly. If you don't know what that is, it's taking his head, taking a young man or a young woman's head, sticking it in a toilet and flushing it while their head's in the toilet. I lost it. My sanctified self lost it. And you can ask some of those guys. One's a doctor, one's owned a business. These guys are serving the Lord and, and the other, they all love the Lord and all this kind of stuff. And the young man, I'll just say this, the young man who ran out of there has been in, and I can't tell the country, tell, I know where it is, I can't tell you where the country he's in, been serving as a missionary teaching English for the last 10 to 15 years. So there's a good end to all this story. But I'm gonna tell you, I almost ended some lives that day and almost went to prison. Because it went past empathy 
I am going to do something about this right now because it's on my watch. And those who know me in high school, that from that day forward, and the Lord somehow allowed me to become some level of leadership, and I don't know, he didn't know what he was doing because I was messed up in so many other ways, but this is what I know. On my watch, people were not gonna be bullied. Those seventh graders who came in in our school, and we were seventh through 12th in the same building, I know a small town in Arkansas, if I saw somebody bullying a seventh grader, I was coming in all, not guns a-blazing, but almost like it. So we move from empathy to compassion, to love our neighbors, ourselves. There's countless ways we can do this, and I know we're, today I told Jen, I said, I don't know how long it's gonna be, I better talk fast today. Uh, there's countless ways we can love our neighbor. If you've got a home or you live in a neighborhood, keep your yard nice. I'm not saying extravagant, don't do something crazy, just keep your yard nice because I respect the people around me. I love my neighbors and I want to be a good neighbor. One of the reasons we here at Renovation have done as much as we have on this campus and we continue to try to move forward is because we want to be good neighbors. We want to be seen as part of not only a kingdom representation, but in that representation, we are, hey, we want to be good neighbors. We want to feel, look like we belong here. And I don't mean as in, hey, wealthy or whatever that could mean for some of you that might think that. I'm talking about that we respect you enough to try to take care of this place. It's a practical way. That gymnasium we have back there, we hope someday if we ever open back up and we can kind of get back to semi-normal, I'm not sure everything's going to be normal and I'm not sure it ever should be again because I want to say this, the future I don't think is a detour to the past. I think we've got to step up and begin to grow and look at things and how is God going to use us in this, but one of them may be that gymnasium. We're trying to do some things to continue to prove it even during this time. We offered to the governor's office um, to, to be able to use this place how they see fit one of the challenges we have in that gymnasium we don't have air conditioning but we've done some things I mean we've got new projects that we finished uh, we've got out front we want to make that a hangout place as you walk into the gymnasium the entrance to the gymnasium where people will stay a little longer if you will they don't just walk out into a car so we put some of that there we put the new carpet in the scene new carpet in that walkway there because we want to upgrade as we go make it feel more home in just instead of cold concrete but our point is this we want to be good neighbors it's just a practical way it's not everything but it's one way During COVID-19, as most of you know, as we preached back then, we began to lean into our vision a lot more and our vision and mission. And through prayer and much discussion, there's a lot of things we didn't do. I'm not saying we, we, didn't, we decided to lean into giving ourselves away financially. Now, there's some things that we do on a monthly basis already, but COVID-19 and, and the blessing strategy brought us to even more focused. You'll see on the screen here, I don't know if you will, I think we have a slide that shows the places we've given to at least once, if not twice, many of those around the city are offered to the governor's office. We want to be a place that can be used. We want to be a place that we can give ourselves away. I mean, from, uh, from the Phoenix Police Department here in our, 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 our uh, uh, oh, I can't think of it, Mountain View Precinct, just to give uh, uh, cards to local restaurants to be able to, uh, uh, gift cards for them to go eat and support the local restaurants. Small things, 
Some of them all the way up to, and you can see all this from Samaritan's Purse, to be able to specifically to hospitals on the field here in the United States and around the world. We've been in prayer. We've been watchful. We've been asking the Lord to show us, whether it's from a radio station, I may hear something, to, to something I know specifically. Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. We will continue. I was reading our NCM magazine this week, what's going on in Paraguay and Albania. and We're in 162 world areas. God allowing us to make a difference there. From local to around the world. On there does not include, by the way, the rents, all the, the, the paper towels and all the things we've done for people around here locally that we've tried to help from phone bills to some for bus tickets to whatever that may be, gas cards, things like that. That's not even up there. Our veterans, uh, our Victory Place, we've got another, many of you know on our, on our email right now, another opportunity to, to actually help another veteran's home, which God is opening that door up. Folks, I'm just telling you, we're just trying to find practical ways. Hundreds of phone calls and texts by our staff. And I hope you're doing it with others. Just trying to find ways to love my neighbors, myself. Would I want a phone call? Yes. Please, a hundred of you don't call me. That, that, I shouldn't have said it that way. Please don't. <laughs> my point is this. You know, why do I love being part of the Church of Nazarene even? I know in a day and age where that's the mainline denominations and those kind of things have faded and more local churches, but I'm going to tell you why I'm part of the Church of Nazarene. Part of it's our name. I know Jesus never founded any denomination. I get that. But I love it when Nathaniel said to Philip, when Philip was trying to recruit him, and Nathaniel goes, there's nothing good comes out of Nazareth. I'm going to read this here. I love what Dr. J.P. Whitney said when they, when, they, when they named us as a church. He said, the Nazarene symbolized the toiling, lowly mission of Christ. It was the name that Christ used of himself, the name which was used in derision of him and his enemy, by his enemies, the name which above all others linked him to the great toiling, struggling, sorrowing heart of the world. It is Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, to whom the world in its misery and despair turns to that they may have hope. We are called Nazarenes. Around the world, so many places, if you're a Christian, you're called to follow the Nazarene. That's what you're called. I love our history from Wesley, who was an abolitionist. Who I, I, read, I saw a video the other day, and thank you for somebody that sent that to us, uh, but get to watch that. The man who saved England, John Wesley. He fought against slavery. He, he fought for education. He made a difference. You cannot live this faith just by the first half of his commandment. And the reason of that is we don't live it in isolation. We've got to do something with it. It's got to draw us to action. We're in 162 world areas. We believe that Christ died for all. We believe there's this great and radical optimism that there is no ceiling on what God can do in a life that's turned over to him. There's no ceiling. That's why I'm Nazarene. But I'm a Christ follower first. But we're making a difference. A couple of things as we close out here. 
What are some things, some practical spiritual things we could do immediately to allow God to do in our life? One, I think it's found in Galatians 5, 20, uh, 523. It said, but the fruit of the spirit is love. And I would say it this way. The traits of love are joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The first one is I'm just going to take a couple of these because I don't have time to preach on today, but I just want to hit on real quick if I can. But the first one is be a peacemaker. As I said earlier, you can't say you love your neighbor yourself and intentionally trying to be divisive. We are, we are given the ministry of reconciliation. That's who we are. And that means wherever you go, whatever you're doing, your heart should be for people to be reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Peacekeepers simply want the absence of conflict. Peacemakers are reconcilers. I know in homes sometimes you just want to have peace. That means lack of conflict. But what we all know is underneath there's still this rumbling. God wants to deal with the rumbling. He wants to deal with that's underlying A peacemaker is about bringing wholeness, restitution, completeness. Before you send that tweet, or even before you hit like on something or support something, or you support someone, ask yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ does this bring people together or divide? I heard this said, and I may get in trouble for saying it this way, but I thought it was cute. Jan goes, it doesn't need to be said. No, she didn't say it. I heard this said, I don't represent the donkey or the elephant. Elephant. I, re- I represent the lion and the lamb. We cannot let a political party, politicians, media, or other organizations control the narrative that the church should be living out. And use words if necessary to advance the kingdom. Just start living it. You may just need to quit talking and start living. Love your neighbor. The other one I want to pull out of here is forbearance. Or long-suffering, and some would call it patience there in different interpretations. But here's the problem with patience in that as I worked on this years ago, and I love, this, I love preaching on the, the, the traits of fruit of the Spirit. The problem with patience is a lot of times, maybe most times, I don't know, but a lot of times we have to be patient in a situation or a circumstance or with someone else that we don't have a choice in. We have no option in. Just be patient, the church. Just be patient. Just be patient. But, but I don't have an option. Is I don't want to be patient with that person. I don't want to be patient. This. I don't have an option, so I don't have any option but to be patient. But there's a difference between patience and forbearance. Forbearance, we have a choice. 
And that choice takes this whole thing as a Christian to another level. You truly have the option to not wait. You truly have the option to not be patient. But because of the work of the Spirit in your life, with joy and peace, and it may take a long time for you to get the joy and peace on this, okay? But God wants to get you there. With joy and peace, you choose not to enforce your right, even though you have that right. Aren't you glad our God is long-suffering? And we're supposed to be an example of him. I give up my right to be right for the good of others, for the community and the advancement of the kingdom. I realize even during this season of time, there is plenty inside the church to be critical of if you want to. I get it. We are not perfect, but guess what? We won't be perfect 10 years from now. But are we growing? Are we learning? Are we moving forward? I realize the church is not meeting in person, and you have an opinion on that. I realize the church, uh, when you do come, or we did come, social distancing, that's not my deal. I realize we hope to open in the next few weeks, and we'll let you know, hopefully by the end of this week, what that plan is. And you may say, I I don't believe in the whole mask thing. Okay? Those who know me know that I love camping. Anybody else love camping? Raise your hand if you love camping. Love camping. But one of the things I love about camping is campfires. Anybody else? I love it because dreaming happens around campfires. We put the fire, it's awesome. But if I go camping and they tell me, not to build a campfire because I may burn the forest down and harm someone else. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to say, well, I would burn it. I would go ahead and do this, except I might go to prison for a long time. No, I do it because of the good of others. My favorite thing is to build a campfire. And people know that. That's who I am. But if the choice is I don't build a campfire for the good of others, I don't build a campfire. I know some may believe we're gullible or we're in fear or anything else. I think it's about as far as I've been from fear in a long time because I've engaged this, I've studied it, and tried to ask for wisdom and how God wants to lead this church that I am responsible for. And I hope over these last eight years I have built some level of trust. And if not, if you've been with us that long, you probably need to go find another church because if you don't trust me by now, then, then, then I don't know what you're doing. When we reopen, we're going to ask some things, no doubt about that, during this season, and we will monitor that. There are going to be some protocols. One is don't handshake, don't hug. I don't care how much it's in your body to do it. I'm asking you not to do it. We will require masks. It's not encouraged this time. We will require it for at least a season. Can I trust you? That you want the best of where we're trying to get to so we can all regather again. But I assume, like it did last time, I assume and presume, however you want to say it, I assume because we do all these protocols, the reason why we're doing the protocols will be because we believe, one, people who are sick will stay home. You know, I take my temperature every Sunday morning before I come here, have since March 15th. It's not the only thing, but it's one thing because I love my neighbor. I love these people who are sitting in this room with me. And I wouldn't want to do anything to harm them. You're not required to. 
I'm not even saying you're required to. I'm just saying it is one thing. But when we regather, we're going to assume that people may come here that are asymptomatic or presymptomatic. That's why we do all the protocols. And we assume when you go out and about, if you come here or you go somewhere else, you're going to assume that too. It's just something we assume and the risks we take. We are going to try to do good things here. We're going to try to do right things and, and, and do common service. We ask you not to touch everything. We ask, you, we ask you to wash your hands. We ask you not to touch your face. We ask you to social distance. Maybe wear a mask or do wear a mask. But my point is this, friends. We're trying to do this for the good of others. We really genuinely are. But we want to regather. But it will feel different. I've been testing masks to see how I can sing in one. Okay, this is my copper, Tommy Copper one right here. So I'm just trying some out. I, that's what it is. I'm trying to engage this thing, not just sit back and throw stones, but I maybe try to engage this. What is a mask that I can sing in? I'm not telling you to go get Tommy Copper. I'm just saying I'm trying to figure this out along with you. But my deal is this. I would rather err on being too conservative to protect others and that's a general life lesson. Many of you know, if I'm in youth ministry, my deal in youth ministry all those years was, if we miss it, we miss it on the conservative side. And that's not a political statement. Do not take it there. That's, I mean, even though that may be where I land on most things, that's what I'm saying is, though, this is about, we're trying to be conservative in this because we think that's the way to love others, to love our neighbors ourselves. We can choose to be a part of something and part of the solution, or we can choose to be apart. I want to be a part of the solution. I can guarantee you when your best moments are, those best moments are when you're willing to sacrifice your own needs for the good of others. There's no doubt in my mind that's the best times because of this. It is in those moments you're reflecting the image of God, but it's a choice. This week, one of the things that we talk about often here, and one of the ways you can, practical ways you can love your neighbor, is to serve them. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. That's after James and John going, Can I sit at your right? Can I sit at your left? Jesus goes, You don't even get it. I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. So, one of the most practical ways you can do it is this, but this week I. I wanted to mention it, and I talked to Pastor Dana this morning about this young man. I listened to those this week who spoke about D.J. Bryant, our own Phoenix police officer and an Army second lieutenant that collapsed while training this week. and Tragically, sadly, passed away. Pastor Dana and I and many of you who are listening, but especially in this position, his pastor, known DJ since he's a little kid. When I think of DJ, I still think of that picture right there. <laughs> That's kind of how I think of it, even though I knew him for a long time. I love, one thing I loved about DJ was he was a younger brother to an older sister. I loved that because I was too annoying. <laughs> Loved it. And I saw that, that little mischievous thing. 
about DJ and we were, he was at Crossroads and like I said, Pastor Dana and I and, and so many others have known him. He was hilarious, full of life, servant's heart. Like Pastor Dana said, even if he was goofing around in a moment, if she asked him to do something, he would notice someone else and he had this tender heart, he would immediately jump in and help. He was aware of the surroundings or, uh, uh, that to help others. He would see what was going on. On our mission trip in Arkansas, I remember working with him. He's 13, 14 years old. He and I were working on a project. And, and he, he didn't, a lot of times teenagers were kind of set, aside, set to the side and just wait for you to get the job done. I, it, it is what it is. DJ wanted to hand the tools in his hands. He wouldn't know how it worked, how this tool worked, why we were doing it this way, but he wanted to be engaged. One thing I knew about DJ, even back then, he was uncommon. He was on a purpose. He had a purposeful life. He visited here at Renovation a few years ago, and I just and kind of knew what was going on with him and told him how proud I was of him. But I can't attest personally as much to where DJ was now in his life at all. But after listening to those who spoke this week about him, it seems to me like he only grew in what I already knew about him. A Tempe assistant chief said, a life too short, yet full of service and impact. One of the other police officers describing DJ said, he had an S on his chest, but not for Superman, but for service. His supervisor, Sergeant Scott said, he was a shining star. There's no other way I can really put it. You couldn't ask for a better kid. Serving. Loving your neighbor comes in all kinds of ways, especially during this time. Doctors, nurses, police officers, firemen, our military. We live in a country where protesting against injustice can be an expression of loving your neighbor. There are all kinds of ways the slide that we showed earlier, those are servants. Those are people who are out there serving and we're trying to engage that. We know at times we can't do the physical part of it just because of where we are, but we can give this last many months, we've given, I think, over, you know, I'm, I'm guessing by the time we finish this next week, over $40,000 that have gone away from here. $40,000. Now, for a church our size, it is what it is, but... I think that's significant. I want to thank you guys. To raise up influencers through spiritual transformation, to be salt and light, but I thought today you could exchange that to be servants where we are engaged and influential. Uncommon right now. The key to all this, friend, I think is to trust. What are you doing in your life to build trust? What are you doing? Because trust leads to respect. Respect leads to vulnerability. And vulnerability leads to the opportunity for reconciliation if needed and conversation. Edward Yarnell says this. We were made in God's image and he willingly sacrificed himself for others. The more we come to know God, the more we understand one true nature. 
the more natural self-sacrifice will become for us. Maybe vulnerability is a true strength. Maybe sacrificing yourself for the good of the others is not a sign of weakness, but it is the greatest power the world ever knows. In a day and age where it seems that so many things are out of our control, what I can control right now, today, and every day, is to follow God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself. To get healthy and whole in Christ. And in turn, I can love my neighbor the way they deserve to be loved, as an image bearer of God. And choose to become a person of empathy and compassion, a peacemaker, and choosing grace over my rights to become a servant for the kingdom. Believing that someday I will stand before the creator of the universe. Knowing that I may have missed it here and there. And there's no question about that I have. But I was trying to love. To be all in. Faithful. Unsurrendered. Fearless. And let him figure out the results. To love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing greater than these. Friends, I just love you. And again, thankful. And uh, let me pray for us. And we will close. Well, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for allowing us to have opportunities, even in the next few weeks, to come back together. And we'll see. We need your wisdom and insight at how to do that, when to do that, all the things that go with that. But Lord, we just want you to know today we love you. And Lord, help us realize how much you love us. And I think when we realize that, we will be compelled to not only serve you, but to serve others. And Lord, we pray today, no doubt, there's been a lot of loss. We did focus on DJ and the Bryant family today, no doubt, Lord, because we know them personally. And we pray for Dwayne and Amy and the kids and all connected. But Lord, we know there's loss that's going on around us that none of us know about. Maybe even these doors next to us here in these homes. We pray for healing. We pray for hope. We pray for empathy and compassion where we can live into that. But Lord, help us to be salt and light where you've placed us. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the, again for this opportunity. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Go have an uncommon week in Jesus' name. Blessings. Never give up.